Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Femily, also known as Emily Howe. Femily has an educational background in gender and cultural studies and is an expert in large firm management consulting. Femily speaks at and advises Silicon Valley and other male majority sectors and teams like law, finance, and engineering on gender, equity, and building an ally culture. We have so much to talk about, so let's get right into this, Femily, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here. So let's start out by talking a little bit about your personal journey and then move into your professional journey. So personal journey, I always have been an advocate for women and also for the any kind of underdog. And so that led me to, uh, to go to a women's college and study women's studies and gender studies and cultural studies and then work at Massachusetts Institute of Technology in running their women's studies program and helping the women students there who were in the technology fields, helping them find a place, a sense of home in the midst of what had historically been a bro culture in terms of overly masculine, assuming that men are the better scientists, that kind of scene. So helping women boost their confidence and uh, knit their lives together together in a way that really supported them and bolstered them. And then I really loved the public relations aspects of what I was doing in that, in that job because I was doing a lot of promotions of women's studies events. And so I, this is where I pivoted careers and uh, got hired to work in a public relations firm in New York City. And their clients were all, uh, clients for the greater good. So they had some clients working on women's issues and children's issues and human rights and other things in those domains. And so that was really, that was really inspiring. And from then I shifted into, this is a very <laughs> windy path, as you know. That's cool. Uh -huh. I shifted from that into helping companies with their communications and specifically about large shifts that were happening in their companies. And from that standpoint, I learned a lot about what helps companies shift and took a job at a large management consulting firm in the US, actually they're a global firm, but my posts were in the US, helping companies move from point A to point B through communications and management consulting and change management, all skills that I've been beefing up along the way. Yeah. And then I found myself, as your listeners may have found themselves, far, far away from my original love of uh, empowering women and being along women while they empower themselves and uh, working for social change. So that moment occurred for me one night, it occurred for me to me every day I was feeling this, but at a low burn level, but it really came to the fore one day when I was sitting at a client dinner with my all male consulting team and most of my clients, which were men. And one of my own teammates uh, turned to me in, a, in just a lull in the conversation and across the table and down quite a few men said to me, 
Well, Emily, uh, what made you decide to work outside the home? And it was such a demoralizing question because he wasn't asking other men, men that question. And it was putting the spotlight on me and my quote unquote domestic responsibilities and my domestic default, which is what he thought women had mostly to offer. <laughs> so it curdled my insides. I mean, I somehow managed to respond in the moment with grace and finality. I turned back to him and said, you know, Bob, with a smile on my face so he could hear me. I'm not quite sure. I wonder more, why did you decide to work outside the home? I just turned it on him. And there were nervous giggles around the table, I guess, from my coworkers who knew me to be more of a feminist. They knew I was hiding quite a bit yes. of the yeah. wrath I must be feeling. So that was one of those moments where I said to myself, this cannot be my life. This can't be my career. This doesn't feel like me. My life and my career and my purpose have really gotten away from myself. I think a little bit was the money, but it was good money, but it was also the promise of all this adventure. It seemed glamorous. I really yeah. loved building my career. It seemed like the next step. It was just a lot of these automatic things. Right. So in that moment, I realized I need to get back to my roots. I need to get back to the things that I care about. But the good news is I now have all these skills from wandering into the depths of a career I didn't care so much about and amidst uh, treatment I didn't care for, I picked up all these skills for helping companies go from point A to point B. Right. So I looked within myself and I looked at all of the research on what helps women in the workplace, uh, the McKinsey and the Lean In work. And I actually start, I connected with some folks in there and started to work on those reports in terms of the publicity angle of getting the, getting the word out about those. So I was really enmeshed in that data and I, took what I knew about moving companies from point A to point B and my passion for helping women and blended them together into a methodology that helps companies elevate their women and not have bias get into, into the picture. And so right. now I do that with companies, mostly tech companies. I live in the San Francisco Bay area. And so it makes sense in terms of physicality and also my background working at MIT. I've always enjoyed techies in the engineering space and it's so cutting edge. So I love that too. But yeah, so now that's what I do full time. I'm Silicon Valley's gender equity advisor. Somehow my windy path has led me here. Oh my goodness. That is a path. And I want to take it back just a little bit because I'm curious. Yeah. Were you always clear? Or how did you develop your personal values and beliefs? Yeah. Where, was this from an early age? Or how did your values and deep understanding and compassion for people of all backgrounds develop? And I think this is important for our listeners to know. I think there's always been a piece of me. I've always had a tender heart for those who were having more of a struggle than I was having. So this is from way before I had a sociology degree. It was back in you know, nursery school and someone who just was, get, was getting left out. I would always go over and sit with them and try to include them. That's always been uh, at the human level thing that I cared about. And that translated to a feminist awakening in high school where I was like, oh, it's not just this person and this person randomly getting left out and getting their feelings hurt. There's a gender dynamic here 
where the world is offering women lower pay and more violence and less stability and less respect and more critique of our bodies. It just started adding up the more I was reading. And so looking, looking at it from that, so that was when I looked at feminism and then it was more like mm, feminism just based on gender. But then in college, I was so, my, my eyes have been so blown open by the idea that there are, no matter how much a woman leans in or no, how to, no matter how much she studies and does all the right things and is perfect and is a good girl and gets all the degrees, she still uh, has this system stacked against her where people in the hiring committee or in the promotions committee have predetermined thoughts in their heads that men are just better or smarter or better. Uh, cooler managers or whatever. So <laughs> yeah, after that, so okay. I got, I got so much by that, that I, it was an easy translation for me to get just as into learning about racial oppression and class-based oppression and uh, orientation-based oppression and other things. So it was, I already had a framework to hang uh, the hang these other ideas on. So now I would never do feminism or go into a workplace and just help women, just eliminate gender bias. Because if you just do that, then you only elevate the white women. Because the things that are holding back all the women include racism, you know, homophobia, different, different isms in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, and that brings me to my next question about a point of privilege. So yeah. we all come, we all have certain privileges. Right. And how did you recognize your own privilege yeah. in relation to what you were trying to do? And how were you going to maneuver that through your professional journey? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So I'm a white woman and I did grow up in a pri uh, financially privileged uh, upbringing. And so I really, that it, I guess, insulated me slash made me dumb about those things for a long time. I really didn't understand that I had a race or that not everyone went on summer vacation or whatever until I was like well into college. Because in America, 75% of white people only know white people in their inner circle who like come to their house and to their Thanksgiving or whatever. Um, and so I was one of those people. I barely knew anyone else. And I thought it was the norm. So now I know that when I go into a room, I go in as a white woman, I go in as a person who uh, people think of as someone who belongs in the business space. I read as a straight person. I dress like a J crew business person. So like I, and I play, I use it as a tool though. I right. use it as this costume, this I'm supposed to be here costume. I mean, I'm not supposed to be here because I'm a woman, but white women are pretty damn close to that center locus of power compared to all the other folks in the world. So I go in there in this costume of I'm supposed to be here and I use that and I use my voice from this place to say, I really think you should be, I really think when I look at your data, it looks like you're under promoting folks of color. I think it really looks like uh, you have only straight people on your C-suite and your board and your VP ranks. To me, that says this. And they listen to me because, uh, I mean, I am bisexual, but no one would know that in a meeting. I come off as straight and I, I'm, and I am white. So I'm bringing all that in there and I'm using it as a tool to elevate other people. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and that is very, well, it's logical and it's smart, right? Because first of all, you go into those meetings and you've got this point of understanding. Mm -hmm. So you have a point of awareness already about your own privilege, yep. so to speak. So you are allowed into those spaces. Yep. For lack of better words. So essentially you're allowed in those spaces, you're in those spaces. My question at this point is, how do you, while you're in those spaces, because if you don't have an awareness, how are you in fact helping with that mind shift, helping with those changes? Because some folks don't even have the awareness that you've had, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I help bring other people into that space? Right. I mean, I do it on the spot for sure, but I more do it methodically through trainings and workshops. So on the spot, I might say something like, a lot of times black women are interrupted way more than anyone else in the room. And so if there is a black woman who's getting interrupted, then I'll say, it looks like Cheryl is trying to say, has been trying to say something, or if uh, they either get interrupted or uh, get their ideas stolen and repeated by someone else who then everyone's like, oh, Donald, you have a great idea. Then I'll say something, you know, of course, like I bring a smile because it, I have found that people don't like to hear an angry person in the room. And so I will put my remarks in any package they need to be in, almost any package, so that they can hear them. That's my main point is having them here. So I'll say with a smile, oh yes, Donald, that was a great point. It seems like, so I remember, I recall uh, Cheryl planted the seeds and the foundation for that by mentioning this earlier in the meeting. And it looks like you agree with her. So that's two of us who are on the same page. Does anyone else agree with Cheryl and Donald? So like, bringing her into the light because when it's promotions time six months later people are gonna be like donald brought us that great idea <laughs> right which is great modeling because it also brings that person into the loop it models the behavior that you know this person was overlooked yep. let's pay attention to who's actually in the room yep. let's not miss those other folks yep. so we're gonna get to your methodology and and such but how did this developed into more of like you're a professional speaker you offer professional digital courses and yeah. development you're an entrepreneur can you please touch on some of these areas of specialty that you've developed over the years and your methodology yeah sure yeah i'd love to so i'm an entrepreneur by, by virtue of the fact that i have an llc and that's my business that i consult with companies for and i'm and I'm, and i grow it because i grow my business so that's not, that's not my main focus, but the speaking is. So I, uh, because people know that I go into tech companies and help them with gender and orientation and other equity issues, they come to me and say, can you tell us some of that juice? Can you get on stage? And now that we're in this time period, they say, can you get on our Zoom screen and talk to us about uh, what works in other companies? And what have you seen? And what is the research telling us? So I translate the research into everyday language for them. Uh, so, and because I've been doing that, folks in my circle and clients have been saying to me, I want to get on stage too. How'd you get those companies to recognize you? I want to get paid to be on stage. I want the fun opportunity of having these, uh, being a thought leader in my field. I want the media to quote me like they quote you, et cetera. So I originally was going to offer one-on-one -on -one coaching on, on how to become a thought leader, uh, like I used to do for public relations bringing people the spotlight that they deserve. But what I realized was I can help a lot more people, a lot more women in underestimated voices 
get into the spotlight and into the media and really change the world if I did it in a group. So I popped up a group course called Future Thought Leader. And I run somewhere between 30 and 60 people through at once. There are small groups, so they get to know each other. And it's, it's a method that they learn. And whether they are uh, a scientist today and a poet in 10 years or a poet the whole time or a scientist the whole time, they can take this methodology of getting themselves confident enough with the right skills and with the right reach to get their message to the media, to get their message on stage, to get paid keynotes, to get, um, to put things out there like podcasts, like you're doing that really matter and that really do change hearts and minds. Well, I love that. So can you tell us something uh, specific about the methodology? Like maybe give a couple of, of quick tips. The main thing is start before you're ready. Because, and that sounds counterintuitive to uh, women who in most American family schools and cultures are raised to be perfect and to not say anything unless you have a perfect bulletproof idea and not put on an outfit, step out the door unless you look perfect. There's like so much focus on perfection and not as much focus on bravery, which that's what the boys get pushed towards. And so as someone who's been groomed to be perfect and only worthy if perfection comes across, we're told to wait until we've won seven Nobel prizes before we should be able to get on the stage and talk or speak to the media. And that's just not true. That's a trick of the patriarchy. It's a trick that's keeping women small. It is something that holds women back from really shining and contributing their ideas to a society that is really in need of not only more ideas, but more innovative ideas, ideas that come from a different standpoint than the general white male who's been in charge and been crafting our country and shaping it as it's moved forward. And so the methodology is get out there before you're ready. And so that doesn't mean uh, go sit down with the Today Show and just start talking about who knows what, right? It means baby stepping out, getting moving, getting off the couch and the couch to 5K of getting your voice out there a little more. It means popping up one episode of a podcast you've been dreaming about producing and don't tell anyone about it. Just put it out there and then like maybe later you'll tell people about it. It could mean starting that newsletter that you know you should have for all of your clients who do love what you have to say or for all of your uh, business people or your social circle or your activist circle. Start a newsletter and send one newsletter or make the editorial calendar for it. Or start, uh, I had a client of mine who felt too much pressure to start a YouTube interview series. It was going to be a whole, if that felt like too much to her. So that wasn't her version of a baby step. So she started, an, she's on Instagram all the time. So she started an Instagram store, Instagram live interview series. And so she just popped on there and interviewed a bunch of people that she knew in her world who were smart about what should we do uh, during a pandemic? Like how should we keep our small businesses alive basically? And so that was her version of moving before she was really ready. It was the small baby step that she could make herself take which then of course catalyzes a snowball effect where you build confidence when you do a little movement and then you can do a bigger movement. And then before you know it, you're maybe as confident as a person who's on the Today Show couch. You may not be able to get yourself on there, but you can at least get that confidence. Right, absolutely. And I love that because it's strategic tip of baby steps. Yeah. And everybody has their own journey and their own 
perception of what a baby step is, is, correct? And so as long as you take a step, and that is important. And I like that tip because many people, they get stuck and they forget to take the step. Yeah. If you don't take the step and you look back a year later, yeah. you're still right where you started. Yeah. So take the step. I've talked to entrepreneurs who have just jumped right in, didn't have a strategic plan, yeah. who just jumped right in. I mean, chocolatiers from opera singers to you name it. And they, they rented a space and jumped right in and were really, really successful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and for me, I look at that and go, oh, I need some strategy. I yeah. want to play on, you know? Yes. The best does it differently. So sometimes it's just taking the step, right? Yeah. The hardest part of running a marathon is not the miles 20 through 26 or however long a marathon is. It's getting yourself off of that couch and putting on your sneakers and going out the door and doing that first mile, like training for that first mile. So when you're thinking about yourself as a thought leader or as an entrepreneur or as someone who wants to do something, do something bigger, do something to change the world, it's that first step. It's being moving so that you can then iterate. I mean, I sound like a techie right now, but you, you can't just imagine all these things in your mind. If they were like, what, let's imagine the best cell phone. No, you have to pop one out there that's pretty good and then see what people, see if people like it, see what they're using it for, see what they're needing and then make a new version. Just keep iterating. Same with your right. podcast, I assume. Well, you know, you had mentioned that one woman taking uh, her baby step yeah. and starting on IG Live. Well, I've taken this podcast and it is specifically for women. It's created to be a safe space for women. But I have a lot of men coming to me saying, hey, I'd like to be on your podcast. Well, I created this specifically for women. So now I've taken the men and I've put them on Instagram Live with me. Oh, where now that's my space for both men and women. But I also have included men in this process now where I have a, a space for them too. Great. And I think that's really special. So <laughs> that people are coming to me saying, Hey, I love what you're doing. I really want to be a part of part of your movement. So that's wonderful. I like the small step strategy. Yeah. So as we continue to talk about your entrepreneurship and your development of business, can you tell people about um, your business, the American Association of Corporate Gender Strategists, right? So tell us a bit more about that, how people can find you and what they can expect from your offerings. Yeah, sure. So the American Association of Corporate Gender Strategists is a nonprofit that I started a bit into my journey of becoming one because I looked around the field and I noticed there was, there was a lack of standards and rigor, uh, which concerned me because people don't, businesses don't have a lot of patience for diversity stuff that doesn't produce results. And so if there are people just popping into companies doing who knows what, one, one person's using a lot of data. One person's using a storytelling seminar. One person's like, let's do women's mentoring. One person's like, let's uh, just do women's recruiting initiatives. Like, it's just really random. And so I started this organization to bring uh, data and rigor to the field. So if anyone's interested in, I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a niche being a gender strategist for companies. So that's what, the, that's what that is. It's corporategender.org. It's a niche, but it's a great one. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then at familyonthego.com, that's my entrepreneurial site where you can talk to me about 
coming to your company or coming to your group, or I often go to women's conferences and that's some of my funnest favorite stuff. And also where my digital courses are. I mean, my flagship program is Future Thought Leader, which we've talked about. And uh, I do a couple of those each year. Okay. And uh, the, the most recent one started October 1st. Um, and yeah, the next one will be in the new year. Fabulous. Yep. Okay. So as we come to the close of the interview, I have one last question to ask you. If you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? Listen to that quiet voice inside that you keep shooing away because you have too many things to do, too many things that seem proper or better or like the right career or the right move. Listen to that little voice because it's going to keep coming back and it's going to keep coming back louder. You don't want to have to get to that place where you got Bob at dinner embarrassing you <laughs> at your corporate dinner. You want to be the Emily that listened to her inner voice two years before that, before she got into that whole kerfuffle. Because <laughs> that, that soft little inner true voice is coming for you. Right. Yes. Yes, yes. It's going to be a face-to-face off, right? (laughs) So thank you so much, Emily, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Yes, I love Core Women. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you'd like to connect with Emily Howe, you can find her on LinkedIn at Emily Megan Morrow Howe and on Instagram at Emily on the go. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment, or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at infocorewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about core women in your social media posts, please hashtag core women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about core women and please stay tuned for continued growth of the core women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.